shopping, and the arts at the gateway to the Catskill Park. LivingstonManorNY.com And from listeners like you. Welcome to the local edition news and information to keep you connected in the Catskills, Northeast Pennsylvania. I'm your host, Jason Dolt. Coming up, we'll get our regular Monday weekly news roundup with the Sullivan County Democrat. Joe Abraham will be joining us with the latest local news. Second half of the program. Talking, as always, what's going on with Sullivan County Legislature. Also get a brief recap on the ice carnival that just happened this weekend in Livingston Manor. Also for our Sullivan County check-in here on a Monday evening, we'll be talking to Laura Quigley, Sullivan County Commissioner of Community Resources, talking about Move Sullivan, which uh, the bus system that moves people around, but also other systems that address transportation needs in Sullivan County. That's coming right up. But first, uh, let's start with some news at the New York State level. Former Republican candidate for governor Lee Zeldin returned to Albany today, gave his first news conference since narrowly losing the 2022 election to Governor Kathy Hochul. And he offered a critique of the governor's performance and hinted that he will be a candidate for office again sometime soon. Karen DeWitt has more. The former Long Island congressman and state senator says the woman he lost the race to, Governor Kathy Hochul, missed some opportunities in her state-of-the-state message and budget plan. Selden says Hochul should have addressed more topics in her opening speech of the 2023 session. He says she did not try to curb state spending, especially on the fast-growing Medicaid budget, and did not include any new tax cuts, something he says many New Yorkers who are concerned about daily inflation and the economy want. But when you're the governor of the state of New York and you're preparing to address New Yorkers on the state of this state, to start off by gaslighting on say, well, the state of New York is that we're strong. No, actually, we're not. Zeldin criticized three priorities that Hochul did mention, bail reform, which he says does not go far enough and would not allow judges to take the dangerousness of a defendant into consideration when deciding whether to set bail. And he says Hochul's housing plan, which would allow the state to override local zoning laws in order to get more homes built, will be rejected in the suburbs, including his home region of Long Island. The idea that you're just going to micromanage all of that up in Albany is making a lot of New Yorkers in these communities feel like they're being deliberately targeted because of how last year's election turned out. And she is going to be meeting such an extremely stiff resistance on this proposal that she is going to end up paying more of a price because of it. And he says Hochul should not have approved a pay raise for legislators in late December without extracting a policy change that she wanted from them in return. Hochul presented a budget with an over $8 billion surplus that raises spending by 2.4 percent. 
Zeldin does not hold any elected office currently. He left his seat in Congress to run for governor, but he says he's considering a number of options and is not ruling out a challenge to Democratic U.S. Senator Kirsten Gillibrand next year, saying if he were to do so, it would be an epic clash and battle. He also would not rule out running for governor again, or even running for Suffolk County Executive on Eastern Long Island. I will continue to serve. I do believe that at some point、uh, there will be a reentry to government. Exactly what that will be and when,、uh, we'll see. Zeldin says New York had a mini red wave in 2022, with several congressional seats flipping from Democrats to Republicans, even when the GOP did more poorly than expected in the rest of the nation. He says there's potential for that to happen again. In Albany, I'm Karen DeWitt. On to other news in New York State: the question of、uh, where recreational cannabis stands, and we learned today that plans to open up cannabis dispensaries in parts of New York State are still on hold as a lawsuit continues to percolate in the courts. The latest ruling: a federal judge refused to drop an injunction that stops New York from issuing conditional dispensary licenses in five regions that include Western New York, Central New York, and the Finger Lakes. As WRVOS's Ellen Abbott reports, that leaves individuals who want to get in the business in a holding pattern. Jim Sharon is chair of the Central New York chapter of the Cannabis Association of New York. He says his membership is frustrated by the legal delays. These are people that are trying to take and plan their futures and build the local network of businesses and industries and. You don't know what to do if you don't know where, where, and when it's going to happen. A Michigan company suing the state, alleging New York's conditional adult use retail dispensary license requirements discriminate against out-of-state operators. The state lost its latest move to dismiss the case, and the state's cannabis control board says it won't approve applications until the legal issue is resolved. In the meantime, Sharon says there is work to be done by anyone who wants to get into the retail cannabis business. We're still going to have to continue to build the industry, build the, the network, and just continue to prepare for the future. I mean, that's. I mean that's the thing about being pioneers in this industry. It's been almost two years since the state legalized recreational marijuana. The state's implementing a social justice strategy with retail sales, offering the first licenses to successful New York business operators who've been harmed by a cannabis conviction. The first retail dispensary operated by a nonprofit opened in Manhattan in December. This lawsuit impacts five regions of the state. In Syracuse, Ellen Abbott for WRVO News. Thanks to New York State Public Radio Exchange for those reports, and now on to where things stand in Sullivan County. At least when it comes to getting around Sullivan County, the Sullivan County Public Transportation Service, known as Move Sullivan, was launched in 2019, seen a rise in ridership since its debut. Sullivan County legislators recently voted to make the bus fare free for all riders, but there is more to county transportation than move on, including options for vets and seniors. Here to tell us more is Laura Quigley, Sullivan County Commissioner of Community Resources. Laura, welcome back to the program. Oh, thank you. Thank you for having me back. So,、uh, before we get to those other transportation、uh, options that we were just mentioning、uh, from the county, what can you tell us specifically about Move Sullivan? We have updates uh, uh, from about Move Sullivan. Yes. So, in September,、uh, we expanded、uh, 
uh, the Move Sullivan, we added two additional routes. So now we have four routes that cover the major towns, Liberty, Thompson, um, and, and now we go down to Mamakating and Bloomingburg. We go out to Swan Lake and Kanayanga Lake. So we've really expanded. And since then, the ridership naturally has, has gone up between that and the legislature making the decision to uh, make the bus free, which is just wonderful. Um, we're averaging now about 210 rides a day. That's what we're, that, that's what we're doing. So it's been very, very successful. That's, so that's like 210 different people or, you know, 105 people going both ways, right? Like the individual right. people I taking trips. Know. Yeah. Yeah. I don't do the, uh, we don't do a unique count because you just can't do that. Yeah. Yeah. It just, but yeah, still, that's, so. that's some regular, regular usage there. So, so it's, yep, it's absolutely. in the year since it launched, it's been going well. You know, let's just take a pause here to realize that this was launched in 2019. We all know what happened in 2020. And I'm wondering, did that, do you think that, that helped, uh, uh, did that, did that stymie the growth of Move Sullivan or did that help reinforce the need for Move Sullivan, the whole pandemic thing? A little of both, because um, we started in August of 19, and as you know, the world shut down in March of 2020. So we kept Move Sullivan running all throughout the pandemic because you had all of those essential workers that needed to get to work, and you still had folks that needed to be able to get to the grocery store. And so we kept that running, and I think it paused our expansion possibly but it did reinforce the necessity of it because it really allowed folks to continue to go to work, go to the doctors, and go do food shopping. I noticed the new lines. Uh, we've been making announcements about it here on Radio Catskill, and uh, I even went to a local restaurant to pick up my order the other night, and I saw the pamphlets there for for Move Sullivan. You know, so it's it's really a present reality in the community. You say it's been growing. What do you think is next for Move Sullivan? Where will it be? You know, down the road, five, ten, fifteen years. Oh well, that's um where I would hope, because, of course, you know, money is everything. So um, I do have, you know, ideas in my head of, of expansion. I can tell you right now what I'm a part of is in working with Garnet Health, who uh, received a, a planning grant, uh, we are working on um, a medical transportation plan because there is a real need for folks they might be able to get to their first appointment or they get discharged from the hospital and they may not necessarily be able to navigate a follow-up and move Sullivan as a fixed route. So you don't always get there for your appointments and, and what have you. So we're looking at across all of the medical facilities and treatment centers and stuff, what kind of a plan can we um, include into the current move Sullivan so that we can really make sure that our folks get all their health care needs met. So that's what we're currently doing. Now, we, we mentioned other uh, options for seniors and veterans. Are those transportation options that exist outside of Move Sullivan? Yes. The county's transportation department has been providing these services for a very long time. Um, for veterans that are registered with the county's um, Veterans Services Office, they will provide... Uh, transportation to the veterans' hospitals in Albany or Castle Point, depending on where they need to go. 
Um, for seniors, if they're registered with the Office for the Aging, we can provide them uh, transportation to their medical appointments within the county, and then through the Office for the Aging's RSVP program, we can provide some to outside the county. And then the county transportation does a shopping bus. Um, and so we help our seniors go shopping a couple of times a week, and uh, they also um, help to get the homebound meals delivered to our seniors that aren't able to um, get out to or really aren't able to cook their meals um, on their own. So these are, are ready-to-eat um, hot meals. And it's been really – and it's been growing. And in uh, 2022, they provided uh, 455 veterans transportation to the VA hospitals there were 854 seniors that got medical transportation, and 934 folks got to go shopping through those shopping buses. So they do an awful lot, and it's really, it's you know, if you're a senior citizen or a veteran, you just need to call Office for the Aging at 845-807-0241, and the number for the Veteran Services Office is 845-807-0233. Okay, that's great. So just to go back on some of what you're saying, I guess first for the seniors, you said, uh, you know, transportation op options through RSVP. Uh, so does that mean that there's there's volunteer drivers giving folks rides? Well, within the county, if somebody has to go to Middletown Medical or Crystal Run or whatever, within the, within Sullivan County, the county's transportation department will provide that service. If they need to go out of the county down to Orange County, say, then the Office for the Aging has an RSVP program, a re retired volunteer program. And um, those folks will provide, they have some of those folks that will provide that transportation for seniors um, if they need to go down to Orange County. And similar, similarly yeah. for those longer trips for the vets down to Castle Point or up to Albany, is that is that like an RSVP type of deal or is the county no, like contracting county, with like a mobile medic or what is, oh okay. Um we have we have buses and we have buses that um are accessible. So if if we have a senior or a veteran or whatever that's say in a wheelchair, we have those vehicles available as well. And that's all the county transportation. Okay, great. And I guess is there more info also up at the county website? Yes, there is. Um on the county website under the transportation department. There is uh, information about those veteran, senior, and shopping services. The Move Sullivan schedule is up there, as well as some of the guidelines around using the Move Sullivan. Um, and we have also, with Move Sullivan, a paratransit service. So if somebody is disabled and not able to use the regular buses, they can call um, and look to apply for paratransit service, where we can uh, provide them transportation for any of the stops that would normally be on the bus route. Um, and that's uh, also up on the county's website. All right. To make, to make this real simple for folks, if there, if there's people in their lives that are having trouble getting around, I think the, the first thing people should remember is that it's, it's tough to get around in Sullivan County, but the County of Sullivan is helping people get around. Yes, we are working very hard to do that, yes. All right. Now, um, before we go, is there anything else that you want to talk about that uh, that we didn't get to or is on any other topics uh, underneath uh, community resources? Yes. 
Um, sure. One of the things I can share is uh, our Center for Workforce Development that falls under the uh, Division of Community Resources is holding on pretty much every Friday. Uh, businesses are coming to the Career Center at 50 North Street um, and doing recruitments on site with interviews. Um, today we have Monticello Central School there who um, is uh, hiring for a variety of departments. So, again, you can go on the county website to the Center for Workforce Development, and you'll see the upcoming recruitments that are happening. So if someone's looking for a job, it's a great place to go. Thank you for taking the time to join us here to go over all of this. We've been talking to Laura Quigley, Sullivan County Commissioner of Community Resources. Laura, have a great evening. You too. Thanks a lot. Take care. Stay warm. Okay, just one more time for more information on what we were just talking about with Laura. The phone number for the Office of the Aging, the phone number for the Office of the Aging is 845-807-0241. That's 807-0241. And for veterans interested in uh, locating transportation, that phone number is 845-807-0233. That's 807-0233. And if you're able to get online, all this information is at the county website. The county website is SullivanNY.us. That's SullivanNY.us. We're going to take a quick break. Uh, When we come back, we'll get into more local news. You're listening to The Local Edition, winner of two Excellence in Broadcasting Awards from the New York State Broadcasters Association. Radio Catskill. Listen local. It's that time of year again. Madam Speaker, the President of the United States. President Joe Biden will deliver the State of the Union address tomorrow, but this time he'll do it before a new speaker and a deeply divided Congress. Biden is expected to discuss hopeful signs in the economy, support for Ukraine, and the recent string of gun violence. Stay with us for live coverage and analysis from NPR News. Tomorrow night at 9, right after Music Emporium here on Radio Catskill. On the next through line from NPR. There's a very widespread assumption that humans deep down are fundamentally selfish. Or maybe even worse than that, maybe we're even beasts or monsters. And the science, the evidence, the sociology doesn't really support that. What the heart of human nature means for our society's future. Tuesday afternoon at 2 on Radio Catskill. Welcome back to the local edition news and information, keeping you connected in the Catskills, Northeast Pennsylvania. I'm Jason Dole, and this is the time on a Monday evening when we do our weekly news roundup with the Sullivan County Democrat. For that, we turn to Joseph Abraham from the Sullivan County Democrat. Joe, how are you doing today? Well, much better now that the temperature is uh, went up 40 <laughs> degrees. It did. It was like it was uh, uh, it was balmy yesterday compared to what it had been the days before that. I was surprised. Yeah, I went to a great event on Saturday, the Man or Ice Carnival, one of your old stomping grounds out that way, and it was yeah. a chilly day. Let me tell you. Did folks come out? Yeah, no, they had a nice little crowd there, and uh, you know, great event by the Manorotarians for sure. So. All right. So there's there's our first news update there is that the Ice Carnival happened. It's still alive and well. And uh, while you don't want people to be too frigid out there, you, you need you need it to be cold enough for ice, which some years it hasn't been. So that's some good news there. But we want to talk about 
the DA race, uh, uh, Patricio actually just reminded me today that elections are coming. I feel like we just got done with elections, but we, we have, uh, because, uh, former DA Megan Galligan, uh, moved up, uh, to the state level. We have a new active DA, acting DA Brian Connedy. We know he's going to want to run to be elected to that position. And now there's word about Tom Colley, who we, we thought was going to be running for DA, who had switched parties. We kind of had an idea of why he might have switched parties. We were waiting for more details. Do, do you have some more detail on that story? Yeah, so I have an article in tomorrow's paper where I interviewed Tom, and pretty much he felt like the Democrats were uh, painting him as an illegitimate uh, Democratic candidate. Uh, a few of the things that he felt attacked on were um, that people were saying that he was trying to denigrate the work that Megan Galligan was doing previously when his criticisms had been strictly on the structure of the DA's office. And what that pretty much means is when he started at the DA's office, well, when he was there in the, in the uh, 90s, under Steve Lungeon, they had what, what they call a vertical uh, structure. Uh, there's different names for it, vertical prosecution, vertical integration. And what it was is when you were an ADA and a young person coming into that office, you would see your cases through from start to finish. So within a year of him being at the DA's office in the early 90s, he was already trying felony cases. But he said when, when Jim Farrell, who's now a Sullivan County Court judge, was DA after luncheon, uh, he sort of switched to a horizontal structure, which kind of kept ADAs at uh, doing um, sort of the misdemeanor work um, and having little control over their cases. And so both him and, and Brian Connedy have expressed uh, that there could be some benefits to switching back to a vertical system because the idea is is that, you know, he he was saying that when he started as a, as a DA uh, or ADA, um, this is Tom Colley, of course, uh, in the 90s, you know, uh, for them pretty much – the, that experience is what made him enjoy being there beyond just, like, he started for $32,000. You know, lawyers can make more money uh, than that, you know, doing other things, but that experience working in that type of field is really what's the benefit to it. And so the thought is is that, you know, in recent years where we've had issues for various purposes, some have been salary-related. You've seen at legislature debates going on saying we need to start our ADAs at a higher salary. But also, you know, he feels that, uh, you know, the structure of a, a vertical structure would also entice more people to stick around um, for that experience. So that's sort of his philosophy, and it's not one that Connolly disagrees with. Um, but um, when you speak to the um, sort of the other reason why he switched parties, he also said that he was getting a lot of questions and pushback uh, from Democrats um, that, uh, you know, asked if he was finessing opinions for any particular legislators or or that type of thing, which he said is an unethical thing and that he would never do. So beyond all of that, he just felt like him and the Democratic committee were on the same page and that, uh, you know, he needed to make a change and that, um, you know, if he really wants to, he claims that the DA's office is in, in bad shape currently and that uh, he wants to do his part to fix it, but he doesn't feel that was possible um, under the, um, you know, staying under on the Democratic ticket. So that's essentially a summary of his reasons, and there's more in the article tomorrow as for why uh, he switched parties. So it looks like if both candidates could get the requisite amount of signatures, uh, that you could see just instead of where they'd have to primary each other, they'd face off. Um, however, it should be noted that I believe uh, I've heard that Connedy is also trying to get like a cross-ticket 
endorsement. So he is also speaking to Republicans, even though he is a Democrat, uh, to see if he could get their endorsement as well. And if that's the case, uh, or if there was, uh, so there still technically could be a primary, uh, you know, but it looks like as of now that it, it could shape up to be just a more traditional race of two people, two different parties facing off in November, but we'll have to see. The third, the the third parties that we most often see on ballots in Sullivan County uh, are the Working Families Party and a Conservative Party. Uh, this might be one of those cases where uh, having those third parties weigh in perhaps means a little bit more than it would in other races. That's true, and my favorite are the ones where the people create their own names, and that's uh, those are always entertaining to see. So <laughs> yes, the write-ins. Yeah. Uh, any other news from the legislature? Sure. So Derek, uh, our staff writer, Derek Kirk, uh, took over for me as our legislative beat reporter this week, and uh, they had an interesting discussion. As you remember, uh, we've mentioned this several times in the local edition, but people were not happy after elections in November uh, because of those long lines. At first, we thought it was an increased voter turnout. Turned out later, a lot of people who were working the polls and who were going there were talking about equipment malfunctioning, not having pre-printed ballots. And so the idea of going back to pre-printed ballots has been discussed by legislators already. They had that discussion again, um, you know, this week. And, um, you know, there was a, a, a talk about, um, you know, going, like, the importance of and how it would cut down on time. And they talked about having a conversation with the Board of Elections to see if there's any, you know, what else do they need to make sure the election goes smoother in November, because you're going to be hearing a lot about that, because this is going to be a crazy election year. I mean, we have nine legislative seats up at the county level. We have the DA's race. We might have a county clerk's race. I mean, Russell Reeves will be running for re-election, but we don't know yet if he's going to have an opponent or not. But so pre-printed ballots was a, was a big topic of discussion. They also had some talk. Speaking of Russell, DMV gave an update saying that it's been difficult for them to get equipment through the state. Uh, so he was going to be meeting with the state uh, DMV coordinator uh, person to uh, see, like, kind of highlight the county's struggles um, as far as or concerns. Um, and then also we had um, the. Uh, it's always my interesting. One of my favorite things every year uh, is the uh, when they do the fire and EMS statistics. It's usually the first the February meeting every year in public safety, um, where they uh, talk about how many calls they had, and I believe EMS calls are up. Fire calls, uh, I'm not sure if they're up compared to last year, but it was a pretty significant number. I don't have it in front of me right now that they had a fire call this past year. So those are always interesting for me as far as that. And so Derek kind of details those different numbers. Um, so that's pretty much what's happening at county legislature. And then I guess if we look at things from a more uh, slightly bigger macro level, I also had a story about the state budget. Uh, I know you guys have also been following it or what's proposed by Governor Hochul. Well, that was the big news out of Albany last week was uh, Governor Hochul rolling out the the first, really it's the first uh, state budget since she's been elected to a full term. So it's really her first full year. It's for this this coming year. And I think we're going to be looking at the impacts of this for a while. Are you hearing some reactions to this? Yeah, so pretty much it's a $227 billion budget uh, because, yeah. you know, it's uh, quite a lot of money, more than either of you or I will see in our lifetimes. But they, um, but it's an interesting. Uh, uh, it was definitely a big uh, mix of, of reaction. Um, you know, for us in Sullivan County, uh, Aileen Gunther sent a response to us. She didn't. She said there was talking some about some of the highlights and encouraging things she saw, particularly on the mental health angle, because uh, the governor has put in some some budget money for for mental health and, and addressing that. 
Um, and she, um, she also had a whole list of things. Uh, the Assemblywoman seemed rather positive, her reaction to the budget. Uh, the other side of the aisle, which we have two people, we have uh, State Senator Peter O'Brocker, um, and we have our U.S. representative, now Mark Molinaro, who are both Republicans, who have criticized the budget. Um, I know O'Brocker was talking about how uh, just increased spending as a big issue with it. Um, and then also uh, Molinaro came down a pretty harsh language, too, calling it, saying the budget would be an unmitigated disaster. He encouraged his uh, peer or friends at the state legislature to vote it down. So, uh, so we have reaction uh, in tomorrow's uh, paper kind of of both sides as far as that. I mean, Oberacher, though, in a positive note, once again, too, mental health is a big focus of things in the past with him as well. Um, and so he talked about that being an encouraging thing or being looking forward to working with the governor on that. But, um, yeah, there was uh, spending, and that's always sort of been the um, sort of one of the big political sticking points, uh, you know, between two parties is that, you know, thinking that, you know, there's too much spending going on in Albany right now and that and that some of the choices are going to, quote, cause more people to leave the state and whatnot and businesses. So so that's where we're at with that. And, um, yeah, then now we hope everyone has a great week. And, um, of course, I look forward to catching up with you guys again in next week's update. We look forward to that, too. And uh, the Ice Carnival will be in tomorrow's Democrat as well? Friday's Democrat. That'll so be in that Friday's one. Democrat. All right. Yeah, I need to thaw out my camera before I can get them off. <laughs> oh, good luck thawing out your photos from the Ice Carnival. Uh, Joe Abraham, thank you so much for joining us once again. All right. Thanks, Jason. Well, that's going to do it for the local edition here on your Monday evening. We will be back tomorrow. We'll do it again on Tuesday evening. Don't miss any edition of the local edition. Sign up for the local edition podcast. Wherever you get podcasts from, stay tuned to Radio Catskill. We've got Laura Flanders coming up next. Support comes from the Homestead School, Montessori Education, preschool through early college with campuses in Glens Bay and Hurleyville. Building the intelligence, creativity, connection, and skills for an ecological future since 1978. Homesteadschool.com. From the River Reporter newspaper in Narrowsburg, New York. Riverreporter.com. And from listener donations at WJFFradio.org. I'm Jason Tuga. On this week's mixtape, we'll dig into Elton John's many musical friendships. Leon Russell was a mentor. Lady Gaga is his children's godmother. George Michael was a collaborator. He's Eminem's sponsor. He endowed drag names to Rod Stewart, John Lennon, and Freddie Mercury. Elton and Friends, Friday night at 7. And tune in next week for part two, only on Radio Catskill. Listen local. Seems just for the bang.